Hello and welcome back to Garbage Film, the show that seeks to prove that arty and trashy movies have a lot in common and you don't need to enjoy just one or the other. So we will take our movie of the week and pair it with something artier or trashier and hope that you discover an unexpected new favorite, or at the very least, are entertained. I am one of your hosts, Nick, and with me, as always, is the space needle to my convention center, the damn siren to my sousaphone, Aaron is here. <laughs> Hello. Er, or, er, er. I'm not... <laughs> Just a I, I shan't try to do the damn siren, but <laughs> rest assured, I could do it if I wanted to. You don't know. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm good. I got a haircut for the first time in like four and a half months, so mm-hmm. I, I'm aerodynamic. I'm slick. I'm... You watched this movie and saw all those haircuts and were like, never mind. No, thank you. There, but for the grace of God, yeah. do I. <laughs> oh, no, you look like Warren Beatty. Oh, no. <laughs> Is he a good-looking guy? Yeah, he's a good-looking guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. looks puffy and weird in this movie to me. I mean, he's supposed to be an alcoholic. I don't know how oh, much of fair. that... I don't know if he is an alcoholic, was an alcoholic, but... Yeah. How are you doing? I'm uh, not an alcoholic, I guess. That's good. <laughs> That's yeah. a good start. You're but, literally uh, drinking tea right now. I'm You're literally... teetotaling. <laughs> You're totally tea. The total of my drink is tea. <laughs> Yes. That's what that means, right? I didn't get a haircut, yeah. but I I don't know when you go when you lean into you start leaning into winter like we had our first snow, and it's it's becoming that time of year and mm-hmm. it's getting colder and darker and you kind of want more. I'm I'm inclined to not go for the haircut over the winter months to like help me survive the harsh Canadian winters. No, I need to feel it. I need to really feel it deep on <laughs> deep in my bones. I feel like your longing for bad feelings is what is preempting us to do this movie and this this month theme <laughs> perfect segue yes this uh, month you know november is typically the noir time but we're doing a like an angle of that kind yeah. of uh An some, yeah something that grew out of noirs we're doing th- just some thrillers some nice thrilling november to keep you awake because things are dark and sleepy yes yeah. keep you on the edge of that seat yeah thrill vember we'll come up with a name that's fine no thrilled the river oh maybe we won't <laughs> Cut that out. Uh oh. <laughs> Cut that out because that's definitely what we'll use. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for everyone. Yes. Yes. Thriller time. Bleak as hell this week, coming to you with one of Alan J. Pakula's paranoia thriller trilogy movie, right in the middle, the middle chapter. It's The Parallax View. Independence Day is very meaningful to me because sometimes I've been called too independent for my own good. It is the conclusion of this committee that Senator Carroll was assassinated by Thomas Richard Linder. The committee wishes to emphasize that there is no evidence of any wider conspiracy. No evidence whatsoever. These people were killed, and whoever killed them is going to try to kill me. If you qualify, and we think that you can, we're prepared to offer you the most lucrative and rewarding work of your life. This story's gonna mean more to me than $10,000. Fella, you don't know what this story means. One of the most thriller, 70s thriller titles imaginable. Yes, yeah. (laughs) The Pelican Brief, The Parallax View. But, great movie. From 1974, the year before Jaws. (laughs) I was wondering how you were going to relate this to Psycho, (laughs) but that makes more sense. 1974, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, it is interesting, isn't it? (laughs) What a time to be alive, folks. Too interesting. Yeah. (laughs) 
Suspiciously so. <laughs> yeah. What's this movie I, like, Nick? Well, before I get into that, just something oh. that will help ground this, because this is such a, like, parallax. It sounds like mm. a Cutco interslice kind of business thing. Yeah. But it's just a word. Webster's Dictionary defines this is not, and this is not a this bit. This is not a bit, actually. <laughs> Parallax is the effect whereby the position or direction of an object appears to differ when viewed from different positions. Oh, okay. Commonly, it's the difference between what your right and left eye sees and what makes you see in three dimensions. But it's more more colloquially, and in this case, be used as like something viewed from different perspectives. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah. It does just sound like a vaguely threatening corporation name. Yeah, because yeah. they just call it Parallax as they're yeah. going through. Like, oh no, Parallax. Oh, There's an X in it. Ah. Ah. Yeah. This is a movie that if you're like me and you love investigative thrillers, uh, just go watch this movie. Don't listen to us talk about it first because it's, it's yeah. about the journey. It's uh, so true. And that's your one warning. Full spoilers. <laughs> An ambitious reporter investigating a senator's assassination realizes witnesses to the shooting are systematically dying and discovers a multi-million dollar corporation which serves as a front for the recruitment of political assassins. Insane synopsis for a movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But is it so far out there, Aaron? <laughs> is it that crazy? Weird that they were allowed to make it, I, I guess. Like, is that... <laughs> like, the so much to the point of like I barely even want to say it. Such a prescient movie in so yes. many ways. Well, yeah, I guess upsettingly so. Yeah, <laughs> really. The only I feel like the only reason they were allowed to make it is it's not it's a corporation. It's not the CIA yeah. specifically. Yeah. So this is a movie directed by Alan J. Pac- Pacula. I Pacula? think is how you pronounce it. Okay. I in um, my head I say Pacula. Yeah, that's but... what I say in my head too. But I I've heard it said so many ways mm. over these uh, the. The various extras I've listened to. Oh, very nice. Uh, he's, you know, he's got this paranoia thr- trilogy, is what I wanted to call it. That's awesome. That's Don't awesome. Call That's it what that, I'm yeah. going to call it now. Uh, which is Clute, this movie, and oh. all the president's men. Oh, um, sure. Okay. And it's just supposed to be like different facets of American life. And it's funny, he calls he doesn't call this a political movie. This is not a political movie in his mind. Okay. Because it's a movie that's just about Americanness. Yeah. Which is just right, like. Yeah. Well, you're never really, like, the one affiliation, like, political affiliation that they ever even mention in the movie is that the assassinated senator is an independent. That's all. They say that he's he's almost like an independent. You can't tell what party he's for, but he's supposed to be part of a party. Like, oh, he's supposed okay, to be right, part right, of the right. bigger system. Yeah, but he's not deferential enough, clearly, to whatever party that is. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, just that this is a, a movie about... He wanted to dra- dramatize the absurdity of American culture, like, layered on top of each other. And uh, sure. the way that politics as a system works, not politics as politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I gotcha. Yeah, so this movie's just so... There's so many... I'm so excited to talk about this movie. And I, <laughs> coming into this, I'm saying, Aaron, this is just going to be, like, a really webbed-together thing. Kind of like a conspiracy, where it's like, Whoa. I don't know... There's so many angles you can come at this movie uh, about. <laughs> it's but a perfect example of itself. Yes. Let's start by just talking about the players involved. The the Pukula here. Um, he didn't direct a ton, a ton of movies, but I love what I've seen of him. I've seen all the, the Paranoia trilogy as the big yeah. things of his um, and a few a few other bits. But he's mainly known as a producer. He, huh. coming into this movie, uh, so I love this quote from him. Uh, quote, I decided to be a director at age 17 and directed my first film at the age of 40. Real inspiration story there for you, kids. 
Thank you. Because uh, by this point, he's already an Oscar-nominated producer. Uh, oh. He produced To Kill a Mockingbird, among other oh, movies. Shit. So, like, legit ass knows how to do good shit. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Is that specific enough? Uh, I think that's the technical term for it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody working with him says that he thrives on chaos. Like, oh dear. This movie famously did not have a script. And they just like ran through it because Warren Beatty had a like clause in his contract that was like, you shoot within the schedule or you just pay me and I leave. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him, quite honestly. Nobody yeah. needs that. And a writer's strike was going on at the time. So they were just like, oh. whatever, we'll just figure it out. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that writer's trick. Okay. Yep. All right. Okay. And the most political thing he says about this movie uh, that he finds very fascinating is, uh, I feel like he would analyze the shit out of this one sentence, but quote, anyone can hide behind symbols because they mean literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this sentence almost means literally nothing. That's one of those, yeah, he's just like taking the, his favorite shot in the movie is uh, the totem pole at the very beginning glancing off to the space needle is just like, yeah. check out this stupid as hell American symbol that means literally nothing. And yet we're going to be like, we'll have an American rally there. And yeah, for sure. Okay. The first things you see are all these American quote unquote symbols of, you've got this big parade, the 4th of July. Yeah, yeah. the tall hats. Etc. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, guess what this means? Fucking nothing, y'all. <laughs> womp womp. Yeah. That's funny. So the screenplay is by David Geiler and Lorenzo Semple Jr. Uh, David Geiler is, I don't think he's like overly famous at the time, but he's like the guy who wrote like, him and his father wrote The Man from Uncle and all that stuff together. Oh. So like, just suspense thrillery type things. Okay. Used to working in genre conventions. Um, and Lorenzo Semple Jr., sure, he wrote this in Three Days of the Condor and a lot of other, like, major Hollywood like, hits. Yeah, um, tentpole, serious movies. Yeah, but what we love him on the podcast for, of course, is he's the writer and originator and basically the guy who created Batman 66. Like, yeah. the Adam West <laughs> Batman is Lorenzo Semple Jr. here. Uh, he wrote the Batman 66 uh. screenplay, which was the first screenplay he ever wrote for the movie. Aww. He wrote the first four episodes of the series, and then he was the executive story editor for every single episode. <laughs> and so, what stories they were, folks. Oh, boy. <laughs> There's the one where uh, fucking... Candelabra is stuck in my head. You know who I mean. Oh, uh, Liberace. Liberace and his evil twin. And his are evil both twin me. also played by Liberace. Uh, he wrote the one about getting rid of the mice on right. the war, where there's a Pied Piper situation where Batman plays... Batman plays the flute for, like, three solid <laughs> minutes, yeah. Robot mice, I think, yeah. Yeah, robot mice, that's yeah. what it is, yeah. yeah. Of course, classic. It's, it's all the regular sample. <laughs> that brain. <laughs> Must be People can have science. layers. Yeah. I feel like he's a, he's a great... He should just be the mascot for our podcast, where he mm. created that Batman, and then also you know, wrote this movie. <laughs> it's just the spectrum on this guy. Yeah, maybe literally. <laughs> yes. I love it. Uh, and this is based on the book, uh, The Parallax View by mm. Lauren Singer. Oh, great. Okay. Cool. So lots of changes from the book. Like the book is Good about house. a cop who's investigating politicians and such. And okay. so like the, the investigative structure is still there. Okay. But there's some really intense differences. Given the direction they went in for the movie, I can see why they don't want a cop as their yeah. main guy. Yeah, Makes it much more impactful, especially like the first couple scenes of the police uh, bearing down on journalism and all that. Yeah. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah. So Fun. the people in this movie, Warren Beatty, uh, I don't really love him as an actor overall, but he's, I like him in this. I don't love him in the first mm. half, but he plays the reporter playing a sociopath so good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> love him in that back half. Yep. I mean, I, I get it. It's probably a fine line to walk where he's meant to be playing kind of a... Kind of a, like, washed-up reporter who doesn't yeah. have, like, a lot of, you know, fire in, in him anymore. He just wants to cause problems. <laughs> yeah. And luckily, this scenario does, you know, it does annoy a lot of people that he's asking about it. So he's like, oh, cool. I don't think he has any particular moral drive to get no. to the bottom of it. It's just that classic investigative journalist trope of like i just gotta get to the truth yeah. i gotta know for me like, for me and also i might get some awards yeah, yeah, yeah and while we're here actually let's just like in really broad strokes to remind us where the plot goes i feel like sure. obviously there's three acts to any hollywood movie but this feels like it's bisected in my mind there's like mm. the first half is investigative gumption and Yeehaw, like literally like, and like banjo car chase. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which is yes. very silly. And then the back half is People Beatty's walking character. through long hallways. Very shadowy. Yeah. And Freddy like undercover in this yes. parallax corporation that is recruiting political assassins. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like there's this harsh divide. And one of the things I love I really like about Beatty's performance is as soon as he goes into getting recruited you kind of lose his point of view like it doesn't feel like you ever get him straight on anymore uh yeah maybe at the very very end yeah maybe, maybe. the very end and maybe there's the whole plane sequence which is very cool too that yeah. feels like oh he's dropping his act and he's acting as himself kind of yeah but uh just to like lay out that so that we don't need to like get into the and when I talk about this, I'm talking about this part. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's good. It's a, it's a very, it's an interesting performance regardless of like whether, he's not a likable person. So that, you no. know, whether you like him or not, it's still an interesting performance. And know? I feel like it's on purpose that you get that out of the way right away. He's opened up with yeah. his first line is lying about missing his parrot. Like he's trying to get into the, yeah. the drug traffickers backyard. Yeah. Uh, and you go from that to him just watching the cops beat the shit out of these people and then yelling at cops and then being a dick to his boss who was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, he I wants don't to annoy his editor. I don't liking this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and speaking about his boss, Hume Cronin is here. Woohoo. Which is, of course, short for Human Cronenberg. We all know. That's what the... Of course. <laughs> I had no idea where you were going to go with that. <laughs> Yes. I love Hume Cronin. I feel like he doesn't pop up that often in things, but whenever he's there, I'm like, oh, this guy. I love this guy. This yeah. little guy. Same. The production was chaotic enough that up until the day before his first shoot, Hume Cronin thought he was going to be a police captain. Oh. Like, he thought that that was... That was the vibe of the... So when you say there was no script for this movie, like, truly, like, there was no piece of paper to, like, Not really. hold in your hand and know what was going on? There was the outline of the, the plot based on the book. Right. But it was kind of like they'd oh. show up and Beatty would be like... I don't want to be a cop. I want to be a journalist. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> like, and then Pukul would be like, actually, that's a much better direction. Let's do that. And All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so original screenplay version, Hume Cronin is the police captain. This makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So he kind of shows up. And he's like, oh, I'd love to like see a script or something. And I'm like, oh, we don't do that <laughs> Oh, here. that won't be possible today. <laughs> don't even worry. Yeah. 
We've got uh, William Daniels, who plays Austin Tucker, um, who he just feels like he, he talks like he's from a 30s movie. He feels yes, very yeah. like... <laughs> he should be wearing like a trilby and... and yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Trench coat. Yeah. But he uh, is more recognizable, I think, to people in our demographic as Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. Yes. Um, which I rediscovered that this morning and I... <laughs> it always takes me it takes me a long time because he's so young in this yeah. I watch this movie I'm like where, where is that right and <laughs> he's it got a picture of a mustache yes exactly yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah he's really good honestly he is excellent like he is such a small part but super unforgettable <laughs> yes yeah. yeah it's very I mean this is the movie as a whole is there are so many like uh, it's so much of Warren Beatty wandering into these situations. Going from point to point. Yeah, yeah. and being like, what the fuck? Or, or like, I think I know what this is, and then immediately getting proven wrong, and it's so much bigger. It, Austin feels like the character who, without saying it, is like, yes, there is a way bigger... You can tell that he's been in this world where there yeah. are, it is much riskier and there is much higher level stuff going on and he's used to navigating that and the character yeah. is very self-assured but very like sharp and like wily. He's confirming it without saying it is yeah. what it feels like. Yeah, exactly. And there's also, there's such a weariness like the yes. scene with him and Beatty on his boat yeah. is so weird because they don't say <laughs> yeah. anything. It's just him looking exhausted. And, and then just rolling, rolling over, over to go to sleep for a nap. Like, just, I hear you, bud. But to your point there, you can tell he's been working in this and he's just, he just wants out. He's done. Yeah. He can't live through this anymore. He's He seems like a guy who's on the, like, he's now in the life stage of like, I regret becoming part of this. It yeah. did me no favors. I didn't, I didn't get anything out of this and now they're trying to kill me. Yeah. You can see the exhaustion of him of like, you can tell internally he's saying like, I just wanted to like make the world a better place, and yeah. I stepped into or just I just wanted you know I wanted power and I wanted yeah. to be influential and I wanted control. I did not realize, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a tiny performance, but so good, so good. It also helps that he's such a little guy, so he's yes, very he's recognizable. Very short, yeah, because I know my first watch through, they kept talking about Austin Tucker, and then he shows up toward the end, and they're like, "Oh, you're the guy from the beginning." Yes, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. The only short man in this movie. <laughs> short King, Austin Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got Paula Prentice, uh, who is the reporter friend of Frady, who, like... Triggers the investigation, basically. Yeah. Who, she was originally envisioned as a, like, sardonic Lorne Bacallish type person, <laughs> okay. but because, getting to this a little bit, she's based on a real person, and that's oh. who that real person is, is like. Okay. Um, but... They, you know, auditioned Paul Prentice and Pakula was like, oh, people are going to be on your side immediately because of yeah. how vulnerable you are. This is a much better direction to take it. Let's go. Interesting. Okay. That's good way to do it. Nice. And speaking of going in a different direction, Walter McGinn is uh, Jack Younger, the soft-spoken parallax representative. He's a fucking little creep. <laughs> Intensely creepy yeah. performance. <laughs> in the book, he's a like six foot three ex-Marine drill sergeant type. Which is, this is such a good change. I agree. Yeah. Like, it logically makes sense of like, oh, you're going to recruit political assassins from the military, maybe. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And you need someone who people are used to taking orders from, who, yeah. like, there's no question he knows his orders are going to be followed. To the but... point that there's a joke in the script about, he, they point out in the book, he's like, that this character, Jack Younger, is six foot two. And oh. he asks Freddie, like, how tall are you? Six two. Oh, you don't really look six two. Like, the, that's... <laughs> 
Cute. A little joke for the people that know the book in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> All you parallax heads. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. No, this is way more, I mean, we'll probably get into it, but this is way more of an insidious character. Yes, Where he's absolutely. very soft-spoken. You wouldn't look twice at him on the street. But he's clearly, there's something wrong with him behind his <laughs> eyes, you know? He's charismatic in a way that you would go along with him, but you know you're being manipulated. Yeah, you'd, you'd keep looking for the exits just in case. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a real, like, may I come in? And you are you have to say yes because you are afraid of what will happen to you if you say no. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good change. And that's that's, it's no longer about overt public facing power it's about mm. this creepy behind the scenes power and i think he's oh he's such a good it's that's a great change Abs- and a fantastic performance i yeah. love him in this just uh he gets under my skin in such an unexplainable way he's so like reptilian yeah it's so weird like it i wouldn't surprise me if in an interview he's like yeah my secret to this was i never blinked like something yeah. like that <laughs> I just painted varnish on my face. <laughs> I just didn't move it. <laughs> it's like he, uh, you know, apologies to fans of, but do you know uh, Mayor Pete, like the previous presidential oh, candidate? Oh, in God, the- yeah. <laughs> it's a that's... little like that. I don't know anything about the guy. I just, uh, you would always see him in like news and stuff. And he just looks like he practices smiling and laughing in the yes. mirror. And like, maybe that, you know, maybe that's what you have We're to do to be different. In- yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. to Mayor Pete, but I'm different, etc. <laughs> oh, he died? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he yeah. better not die before this episode comes out. He's going to look suspicious. Yeah. I am not a crackpot. <laughs> We're going to have to say that a lot. That's the first episode. I am not a crackpot of this uh, episode. Uh, yeah. uh, but wrapping up our players here, music by Michael Small. I just wanted to lay this out because I, I don't know his music from a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. I love, this feels like such a distorted Americana soundtrack. Like, yeah, it's like you heard Co- Copeland 20 years ago mm-hmm. once and It almost sounds like the it. mainstream version of Charles Ives to me. Mm-hmm. Like if you cut out all the experimental yeah. parts of Charles Ives, which is mostly what Charles Yeah, <laughs> all the like... 12 tone yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but like he wrote the music that goes along with the parallax film test that's oh. in there. like he he wrote 100 percent of the oh music damn i just assumed that was like a song and someone was like you did what with it <laughs> <laughs> like some songwriter somewhere. and like the end credits like the really bizarre march that's it feels almost like it could be a real march no he wrote that too yeah, yeah. like okay. it's just so perfectly paired to the tone of this movie i love yes. it um, Distorted Americana is a great way to... Yeah. yeah. And I would, I'd love to just like... I know I gave the brief blueprint of this movie, but I, we don't always go beat by beat on the plot here, but I just want to talk about it a little bit because I want to highlight the like... No, for sure. It is just a of collection of plot beats in yeah. that way where like you you very much are following Brady's... Or Frady's... Um, thinking about Jaws now. Thanks so much from the beginning. <laughs> I, you made me think of the Brady Bunch, so... <laughs> Yeah, you're following Frady's. Like, you don't know any more than he does. No. And you never really You arguably do. know more than he does. Arguably. Very arguably. Yeah. It, only in the sense that, like, well, I'm watching a movie about it, so it's probably this. You that, know what I mean? He's not too smart of a guy. No, no, he's not. He's just stubborn. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. He's just annoying. <laughs> yeah, the best journalists are just kind of annoying. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we start out with uh, the that shot that I mentioned. And one thing, just to I like it. S- seed this for a little bit later, I want to talk about the cinematography in its own little segment later on. Oh, sure. So I'll, we'll be getting into Gordon Willis's work in that but we've got that great shot of the totem pole and then the space needle this like totemic americana 
this drill I bite. also like this, like, very, you know, this is a down home. Like, it's literally mm. hewn out of wood and, like, it represents, you know, first principles or whatever. And then lurking fucking behind <laughs> it is the thing that, like, there's no one's there for the totem pole. No. They're there for the space needle. Like, go, that's the real ooh, power. Ah, big tall. Yeah. Ooh, glass. Um, I like that shot a lot. I love that shot. That was a, like... So much of this movie was they figured it out on the set. That was, Sounds like. Yes. That was uh, Piccolo wandering around and being like, this is perfect. <laughs> like, I had no idea this was here. Let's just do that. Just boots on the ground, work. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got this 4th of July parade. We get everybody going up in the Space Needle to cover the campaign. But Freddy gets, uh, he gets barred, booted. Yeah. <laughs> which is such a great little like, oh, but for the grace of God goes Freddy also. It's funny too, later when you find out like he and, and the Paula Prentice character were married or, or together. No, I think like... they're just fucking. Okay, fair enough. They, they just fucking. And he tries to like go with her group. And mm. he's like, well, I'm, I'm with yeah. her. And she goes, I don't know him. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. I see. This is an excellent movie for a second viewing, too, because yeah. there's so much that's left unsaid that once yes. you know the established what's happening, it's such a like. <laughs> yes, this is an extremely a movie for pay attention and figure it out, and it's more rewarding yeah. when you do. Especially, like, to get way ahead of myself, the second watch, knowing that Parallax knows what Freddy is doing, is yes. such a, like, oh, you dumb little oh, puppy. Motherfucker. yeah. <laughs> so then we get into the assassination of. Oh, what's his name? William Senator Carroll. Something. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Happens uh, in the Space Needle, which is like, I love the way that this is all shot. Uh, we get up on top of the Space Needle. I hate it. This is one of those things of like, they're legitimately on top of the Space Needle. They threw that guy off the top of the Space Needle. That's how they shot. There's no trick. Oh it's my just God. a simple trick. <laughs> you just have to be willing to maybe die. Yeah, there's just a net there. That's it. That that shot makes me sick to my stomach. And I, I, I thought... Just because it's kind of the way it's shot, I'm like, oh, they're climbing on it. They've got like a, a painted so, background or something. No. And I turned to them and I, I turned to you and I was like, imagine actually doing this. And you were like, I have terrible news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Erin's big uh, issue is heights in I, her life. I and this is. It. Uh, I hate yeah. it. I can't even think about it. Yeah, and it's such a, like, you know, most of this movie, but. Or most of the events this movie is, is portraying. It's so. It's just undignified. He, they, he just scrambles to the top of the roof. He just loses his footing and tries to like shove a guy and then just falls off. Like there's no he, dramatic. Guy loses his footing and yeah. falls off the space needle. That's like, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And throughout all that assassination stuff, this is who is presumed to be the shooter that falls off. But we see a second gunman. Mm-hmm. Classic conspiracy stuff. Yeah. Which takes us into several years later after the commission in the black political void this is so crazy to me like it's a very the image sticks with you but i have no idea what that's supposed to represent i think i think it's for a few reasons supreme court no this is uh based on what's called the warren commission like what happened after jk's assassination yeah uh that's literally what they're trying to portray here this is the same and it's like this is one of those things we lose a lot of the rooted in reality ofness of this movie, which mm. I would be happy to go into in a little bit. I think we both have some stuff prepped on. Maybe this. we do. Um, but how viewers at the time would be like, "Oh, this is the Warren Commission." Oh, okay. All right. Um, I'm but, not American. I didn't live through the '70s. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. But that the actual like visual presentation of it, I love that black void of like this is mm. so made up to the point of 
being untethered from reality is what it feels like to me. I'm just like, here's... It's uh, a very, like, Lynchian type of presentation where you're like, is this a set? Is this a stage? Mm. Is it in just someone's mind what's happening? Yeah, <laughs> but it feels like a, this has no relation to the events of reality yeah. such as they've been witnessed. When given the rest of the movie is so grounded in reality. Yeah. Like, stylistically. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. But... Yeah, but it's it, a guy wandering around the <laughs> real world, yeah. Well, I, I like it. Like, there's it's a, such a black void thing. It does just look like a theater. Like, you're sitting mm. in a theater and everything else is blacked out and this stuff you can see is the stage. And if you know anything about sets and stages and backs of theaters, there's it's like an iceberg, right? What you can see is maybe mm. a tenth of what is oh. actually there and what they're prepared to show you at any moment and there's like a carefully worked out plan to, to show you certain things at certain times and that's, that's a great that's read what it. it reads as to me yeah i also it puts me in mind just the amount of black just like redaction the idea of redaction that's so true yeah you've got all the like crossed out lines you yeah. can read this bit if you want yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll tell you about these parts no questions yeah <laughs> yeah they keep saying like this isn't what do they say this is not uh, a press, press conference, conference so is, there will be no questions yeah you can ask your questions i think they say in like six months time yeah. when the findings become public or something uh-huh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but then uh lee carter played by paul apprentice shows up with freddy and explains how other witnesses that were in the space needle are dying like people in these newspaper shots yeah and then we cut to her death and it's a very like freddy gets woken up kind of that something is happening here. Yeah. Starts investigating, takes him to this small town where he fights. He has a bar brawl with a sheriff. God. That is one of, this is one of those things of like, I never understood this. And I, this is like going through interviews. It's literally Pakula being like, bar brawls are dumb Western tropes. So I wanted it to be like, yeehaw, America. <laughs> See how stupid this yeah. is? <laughs> it also was meant to be, or in the original script, this is the preliminary test for parallax. This is the... How are you going to react to somebody just fronting on you? And he reacts by punching the dude out. So, like, it is kind of in the text still of, like, the sheriff has all the tests in his drawers we later see. That he would watch his dumbass son-in-law fight a guy and then be like, hey, are you disillusioned youth? (laughs) Do you love to punch people as a first solution? And it makes sense why he invites Freddy into her circle immediately. This this thing of, like, why is that happening? Like, it's because (laughs) he's supposed to be the the scout, kind of, to feel people out for this. The the thing that really struck me, at least on this rewatch, was, you know, you don't know. Like, this this guy just sort of struts up to the bar because one of the women that was at his table sees handsome Warren Beatty come in and is like, I'm going to, I'm going to go talk to this guy. Tells the craziest joke in the history of jokes. And <laughs> I really love his response. He just goes, that's an astonishing joke, Gail. <laughs> There's a full three second yeah. pause where he's like, he clearly doesn't how really do I... know how to react to yeah. this. He just looks at her, looks away. He's like, I don't got anything. That's an astonishing joke, Gail. Astonishing joke, Gail. And, uh, you know, ge- the gentleman at the table doesn't like that the lady went over to talk mm. to somebody else. So he steps up and, you know. And how it... Re- but, but you don't know that he's the the deputy. Yeah. And, Other than his hat. Right. But I mean, you know, small town Montana or whatever. Salmon tail. Yes. And... It really, later it, it totally reads as like, if you gravitate to positions of authority, you have something wrong with you in the first place. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, and what does the sheriff say? Like, I, I had to hire my nephew as... A favor to my sister. Yeah, like as yeah. a favor to my sister, because this guy was not fit for any other jobs. Like, yeah. sorry, so you're going to give him a gun? <laughs> 
just the craziest thing. But that's like that's, that's not how it even works. yeah. That's so that's understated. Is like we all know this. We is all it know that's how it works. Yeah, you just put these people because that's where we we put like socially maladjusted people. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, crazy. The other parts of the bar brawl, though, the paper thin walls, like so funny. So real funny. good, real good fight beats where an old lady is trying to pick out like a, a souvenir to take home, and then Warren Beatty's whole body just comes crashing through the wall. And then he runs through a wall to yeah. punch him out, punch out the the deputy. But it is oh, again. This is the like I really like. Pakula's films for he designs movies to be read too much into. Like, <laughs> nice. it's supposed to look like a shitty set because it's supposed to be like, oh, the facade of Americana, right. it's fucking nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this, like, you know, chalet lodge up in the yeah. up in the mountains is just, like, made of fucking <laughs> Japanese sliding doors. Yeah. Uh, which takes us to the sheriff bringing him more and beady under his wing. We go to the dam, which is such an amazing looking... Thing. Is this real? Yeah, yeah. This is on, like oh, everything fuck. in this movie is shot where <laughs> and location. how and everything. Damn. The original way that the Pakula envisioned this was uh, we kind of the way it's shot is it's all one hundred percent of the vantage facing the dams. So yeah. The dams and all the shots, which sure, sure. which makes sense. Your big thing. Yeah. Um, the original way he wanted to shoot it, and he shot it, and he was like, "I doesn't it conceptually is what I wanted, but it doesn't work visually." Mm. Was that everything would be from the opposite vantage point, which is big verdant pastoral hills and oh, sure. then the first dam blare that happens then you snap to the other side and notice that there's a dam there the whole time <laughs> but he said on test viewings it literally people didn't understand what was happening that that makes sense though yeah. because i feel like we're he's still i feel like at this point freddy is not 100 percent convinced that all the deaths are not accidents. And Parallax hasn't come into the... the yeah, he hasn't forefront. uncovered anything yeah, yet. Yeah, it's just, here's a weird sheriff. That's yeah. all he's got so far. And then this this scene is where you find out these are not accidents. Someone is trying to kill them. Yeah, and he's on the trail of Austin Tucker. and That's yeah. what brings him there originally. But yeah, the, this damn shooting is insane. Like, it's wild. It's one of the it's one of the things I really you know in a movie full of like great imagery. One of the things that like imprinted so hard on my brain is this damn like the sirens and then the gate coming up. And they're just fucking standing there talking. I, I, like even eating lunch, <laughs> eating a sandwich. One of the core things that I really like about this movie, and again, crazy understated as with all of Bakula's stuff, mm. is the like okay parallax tests for aggression and maladjustedness and all that so how much is this an act of Frady's versus would he legit be somebody that fits the profile that they're looking for and i i do think that that's true and this is one of the cases in point of he's very aggressive about his goals he knows that danger is right there but i'm not going to do anything because i'm close to figuring something out i'm close to getting the thing oh, that I willingness wanted. to put yourself in harm's way. Exactly. Maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah. For, like, a greater goal so that you can, like, get awards and things. Like, it's maybe. it's that same sociopathy. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know about Parallax, though, yet. No, exactly. But that's yeah. that's troubling that he still fits the profile even when he's not faking it. <laughs> when he's just hanging out, yeah. Um, Neat stuff. So yeah. he drowns a sheriff. We get to that great shot of him on the left side of the screen and the deputy coming in on the right in the oh, sheriff's yes. home where he finds the, the drawer full of Parallax tests, mm-hmm. which that's where, like, up until that point, and then we get the yeehaw car chase. <laughs> Complete with slow mo sheriff car jump jumping over. up in an embankment. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. The uh, uh, no, I'm not going to be able to pull it. What's the like Dukes good old Hazard. boys? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Dukes of Hazard theme might as well be yeah. playing. Yeah, 
there is a there is a yeehaw violin playing, so it makes. Is sense. there? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like it starts up with uh, like. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we're in that kind of movie. All right. <laughs> no, we're not. False. Then we get to the parallax test, which is so interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's based on a standard question test that's kind of like used to weed out if a person is mentally ill okay um the minnesota multiphasic personality inventory test sorry you said minnesota and i really couldn't take any of it seriously after that uh oh really minnesota multiphasic personality test it takes like 60 minutes to fill out Okay. It's designed to be questions that you can't tell what their intent are. Not at the time, at the at, in the 30s when it was written, it was much more of a like, and we'll ask if you're crazy. Right. Uh, but now there's like <laughs> different versions of it that test for different things. And okay. it's questions that are intended to be veiled so that you can't tell what they're trying to suss out. Right. Um, so Some it's, of the questions are very creepy. Yeah. I, I just love this little detail. There's... Um, I think he was just like an intern named John Burstein, who's like in movie stuff. Okay. Uh, this is the first thing he ever worked on, first movie he ever worked on. And the first task he was assigned was writing this test. Oh my God. Which is like, you poor bastard. Oh my God. It's what? so <laughs> famous. It's like such a crucial hinge of the movie. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, but we only get little shots of it and he gets a killer to fill it out, which is very funny. And so we get through the parallax testing process he meets jack younger it that's where it becomes much more of a standard conspiracy thriller in my mind but only because thrillers that came afterward copied this one i've no doubt yeah yeah it feels very action movie first half conspiracy movie second half yeah very much or thriller movie yeah Yeah. but this is where all the paranoia stuff comes in one thing i skated over the idea always of you have to go somewhere where people can't hear you talk he's talking to his fbi agent friend on the little kids train (laughs) is so cute he goes to the zoo where this guy is working now yeah (laughs) decommissioned fbi agent operates the kitty train at the zoo yeah so cute (laughs) again just such a great image of like we commodified like the the driving force of building america for kids to ride on to yeah. like naturalize them into loving trains i'm not a crackpot <laughs> but this is the thing we're not crackpots pakula <laughs> literally he like every opportunity he could to like do the the comparison of like this Amer- americana thing to what's actually happening in the scene he wanted that in every scene if possible so, okay like, good I feel very justified by this. My grade 12 English teacher is thrilled, I'm sure. (laughs) You go back to the parade at the beginning. um, He's talking about, like, yeah, I wanted it to be, like, such a confusing diaspora of, like, here's the the local Chinese group's, like, dance drills in front of the fire and decommissioned fire engine. Yeah. (laughs) As you go up the space needle, like, what the hell are all these? What are you celebrating? But he wanted this idea of all these American monuments that are just in the background Mm. of everything that are just so weird when you sit and think about them. Yeah. But the thing that I love, the the visual language of this film, you have the space needle assassination at the beginning. And then when we get to Parallax, all the visual language starts to be based around windows. Mm. Like the Parallax building is all what's common. It's very cool. Yeah. A windowed building. That was the first one in, I think, Los Angeles. Something like that. It was, oh, like, shit. the first in its area. Okay. So it was, a, like, a legit, like, wow, look at that building. Yeah. When it came out. You get Eat a style. Yeah, you get the convention center escalator at the end that looks like windows uh, in the top of the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just to keep this, like, assassination in, in the front of your mind. Just so cool. Okay. Plot Plot continues. We have Freddy stopping a bombing on a plane that was going to blow up a senator. This feels weird to me. This is the only thing that I'm like, what is is this for? This little sidestep. This is, he notices uh, the guy that's pointed out to him by Austin Tucker. I know it happens. I'm just not sure why it's in the movie. 
because they're trying to bomb. Uh, so there's two things happening here that I think okay. is, is interesting. One is... <laughs> is it just that he doesn't want a guy to get blown up just to keep his own cover? Kind you know what of. I mean? like it, it, there's the war of, oh, if, if I stop this, then it might blow my cover. And then we have the following scene of Jack Younger being in Orrin Beatty's home yeah being like where were you yeah and followed up with who are you because he's got this like i know you're not really who you said you layered are yeah. thing. so i think it's just to set up the tension in that okay. bit it's also just a tension suspense uh it's great piece. it's very much that yeah it also shows the like it, it i feel like it's almost forgettable and useless in the grand scheme of what's happening <laughs> but it's there to paint these pictures of like look at how little parallax cares about bystanders True. um Another senator that's described as the replacement to the senator that was assassinated. Oh. So there's this, like, oh, clearly whatever control forces are going on here are concerned with this one race for some reason. And we never get into the politics of it. No. You're just, I feel like it's, to go back to windows, you're just getting a view out of one window out of a building that's full of windows just to be like, here is the amount of stuff happening on this one small scale just concentrated part on, okay, of sure. this enormous operation. Sure, okay. Yeah. Something just also occurred to me, actually related to the Warren Commission, mm. um, which we can get into later maybe as well. Yes. But, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, all right, it's coming. You talked me into it. I like it. <laughs> I still, it's a very suspenseful scene and it almost, the whole thing goes by and then I'm like, wait, that didn't accomplish anything. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's the point. Yeah, I think it is just there for... There's a little bit of, you can see that Freddy's not actually... Um, yeah. Totally dislikable and willing to... And he's not yeah. brainwashed, too. Oh, sure. sure. Because I okay. think right before that is when we get the the incredible montage oh, test. Oh, okay, okay, all right. And it's hard that to tell from sense. his reactions what he's feeling. Yeah, well, he has to keep it on lockdown, right? And I like, there's a lot of comparisons to Clockwork Orange here. Yeah. Which came out a couple years before this. Uh, um, but... Pakula's idea with this was never cut back to Beatty. Never, ever. This is about the audience is seeing what oh. Beatty's seeing. Yeah. It helps to cloud your suspicion of what's happening with him. It helps you to understand how you would get brainwashed kind of by this. Sure. Or at least like whipped up. Because the idea, this is another thing that's not really outwardly stated. I'd love to talk about this right now about the test. Okay. I love the test. It the, is it is insane and famous for a reason. It's, it's incredible. Like, I... No, we got to this the first time and it finished and I was kind of like, oh my god. What the fuck am like, I watching? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm curious of what your... I had, like, my thoughts on what it's supposed to be doing versus objectively what Pakula set it up to be doing versus what, what you might think it's, it's doing too. Because I... Okay. My thoughts on it wasn't what Pakula had in mind. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what, what do you think is happening here? Because do you want me to go first? I can give my, like, layout of what I thought. Uh, sure. Sure. I thought this was a, uh, you know, prospective candidate comes in, he's tested it enough so far, and this is a, like, brainwashing. Literally yeah. sit you down, put these images in you, so that you will carry out these things. Okay. Um, like a, like a you know, Manchurian candidate style yeah, thing? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, not necessarily hypnotizing you, but putting you in the, like... Suggestion in, zone? Yeah, or, okay. yeah, so that what follows works. Sure. But... Just to tell you what Pakula's idea with it was, this is it is a diagnostic tool in Pakula's mind. This is a Oh, okay. Going into it the, the announcer's voice says like keep your fingers on the Yes. And you will sit down. Make yourself comfortable. And be sure to place each one of your hands 
on the box on either side of the chair. Making sure that each one of your fingers is on one of the white rectangles. He says literally all it is, they're measuring heart rate. It is to see if the if this excites the watcher. Right. Or disgust, or like what, what exactly their reaction to it is. Because okay. the idea with what he put together is it's supposed to be like, here are base objective things. Country, mother, father, blah, blah, blah. And then it goes through an Oedipal kind of breakdown of like, this is what the enemy, maybe your country, did to your family unit, and it's why you're an outsider now. Mm, Okay. And that if you became excited and agitated at that, you're a good fit, because you are somebody who feels like the outsider. Yeah. And you're getting to see something that reflects your worldview for the first Mm, time. Okay, all right. Yeah. I think I I think I I would have assumed that. Yeah. It's not trying to convince you of anything. It's just I mean the funny thing is that disgust and like excitement like mm. positive they they produce the exact same heart rate like I yeah, know. No, <laughs> so there's you know <laughs> we didn't really know what we were doing medically and that's also the subject of a, a different thing later on but <laughs> the the nice. yeah i i thought it was very like like maybe just maybe a mix of those things you're not trying sure. to train someone or to rewire them you're trying to muddy the waters. You're trying to mm. su- make people. You're you're just suggesting things. Yeah, you're, you're doing the like. The I'm just asking questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and then walk away. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way though, where it's, it seemed more insidious than look what your country, maybe enemy question mark, <laughs> did to your you know mother, father, you. I I thought it was more like your mother and father are the enemy. Only you are strong. Country love. You Thor. Know. Yeah, <laughs> Thor. Oh my god, so funny. The end credits for this movie, they have to credit like Marvel. <laughs> my so favorite great. Marvel movie. It's, yeah. <laughs> Thor was dark back then. <laughs> um, um, the, yeah, it, it, it's much more like like myopic and like you are the aggrieved party you're not acting on behalf of anyone like you are the only good american <laughs> no and you're you're right i i like the idea of this being like i said Oedipal in the your father has become the the enemy the enemy like yeah. he father country like those get linked up father country enemy mm, get linked up whereas right. mother love and me get linked up oh so it's okay like, sure sure this emasculation-y type of, like, I need to ca- take care of mom. Sure. Mom is, like, the inner me. Like, it's all these things of, like, othering. Yeah. Setting up a, a binary relationship, I guess. Okay. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like, I feel like you could go into... I'm actually... I, as the guy who does the research, I probably should have done this. If there's any, <laughs> I feel like, like someone should look this up. If there's any, like, scientific papers getting into... Like, there's oh, I would love to see... Like. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see a like a psychodynamic therapist's take on what this is meant to be doing. Yeah, because this the way this gets designed is Pakula and the editor just sitting there and being like, oh, this should follow that, this should follow that, this should okay. follow that, setting it up. Like, it's all Pakula. They're writers. They're story writers. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. He knows images and had to, like, work in all these. This is... Yeah. He's been in the industry for nearly 25 years at this point, and this is his first <laughs> time to come out uh, swinging. This is yep, uh, yep. third movie that he's done, like crazy um i i also really love the like the storytelling aspect of the song yes because it never gets dark the images get weird and dark but the song gets very you know rousing and and yeah 
triumphant almost. It so it starts out like rural countryside Americana yeah. folk and turns folk into. Yeah. It almost feels like a protest song to me. Maybe like, yeah yeah like yeah. The 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 guitar kicking in really feels like. The it's arc basically. of it, it's it feels like it's meant to empower you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Yeah, like you, you become the superhero and you saved the day is the yeah. end result. It's scary shit. Like It's, it's wild shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, and I mean, we'll get into this as well, but just how much of like psychiatry quest, you know, quote unquote, was just... What are some scary images we yeah, can show Yeah, let's bombard those guys You know what something. I bet they wouldn't like? Yeah. Thor. <laughs> No, wait, we like that. Uh, apparently we like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, and so we get the okay. plane bit, and then okay. we get the final convention center bit, where it's confirmed that, uh, well, Hume Cronin gets poisoned right before that, so yeah. we, we get the slow confirmation that Freddy's been found out at some point, yeah. and he's being set up as the fall guy. Um, and the goddamn visual design of that convention center is... Nuts. This what is building a, is that? I would love to. It's just a convention. Like <laughs> it's, it's a convention center in uh, Arizona somewhere. Okay. That they were go- the original plan was they're going to have it be like the fundraisers actually happening. Right. And then the assassination happens and like ah. Uh, but when they toured the place, they were getting set up for like a banquet or something, and Pakula was just like, "It is perfect as is. <laughs> Let's it's, shoot right now." It's so weird. There's like a single set of bleachers. Half of the place is empty. Yeah, and They're it's cavernous. Cavernous. The, the golf carts were part of the catering staff. I bet because it takes so goddamn long to walk <laughs> from one end of this room to the other. They have to cart everybody in. But it's just such a surreal setup. Um, yeah. And then you put in the rehearsal of here's the, the so the first senator is this like urban liberal type. This senator is the down-home country boy type. The folksy guy. The yeah. folksy guy. And he's talking about sports and his, like, golf swing <laughs> d- while his yeah. prepared speech is playing and flashcards of other presidents coming up. Like, it's yeah. such a... Like I said, it's about making the Americana aspects of it seem so weird and ar- artificial. When they're removed from the presentation of it, where yeah. you're rehearsing the presentation, it, it comes across as very, like, wait, why are we doing this? <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Well, and the 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 kids and their flashcards, where the, you know it's like a four by four setup of kids on the bleachers, and they each hold up a card, and it forms the face of a president, and then yeah. they flip it over, and it's this guy's face. He could be the next president or whatever. Is very like that's you're watching the parallax test. Really, they're just trying to like <laughs> it's just subliminal messaging, but not subliminal. Yeah, and they're it's kids. It's just children doing it. And to Freddie's point, he asked this question in the middle that feels like a high dumb guy question, but he's right. Like, what if the <laughs> message isn't subliminal? Is a question he asks to to his buddy that's training the chimps. I think. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, or it's just like yeah, it's just so out in the open that it isn't subliminal. It's just. Liminal? Yeah. <laughs> Super liminal. Hey, you, join the army. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> the, the audacity of it being out in the open is what makes it not get questioned is kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Well, there's so much. I Speaking mean, the of investig- dumb high yeah. questions. Yeah. <laughs> what if it was like all out? In it? Yeah. It's, it's such the investigative journalist thing. And I'm sure I, if I did that job, I wouldn't want to tear my fucking hair out <laughs> all the time because... A, how slowly things move, oh, and God. how B, how how you can just sort of leak information. I'm not a crackpot. You can just <laughs> leak information slowly so that on their own, each piece isn't like doesn't mm. shatter worldviews or anything. But altogether, they're horrible. But by that 
by the time the final thing comes out, everybody's forgotten about the first thing. Like, what did they yeah. say? You can ask questions once the results are made public in six months. When and nobody it's already cares. been three yeah. years since God. the incident. Like, nobody fucking cares. Everyone's moved on. Yeah. But the, so the convention center, the thing that I, I know watching this and like, oh, these are like post-production, like matching shots where like they shot the shadowed top bits, catwalks in one shot. And then the convention center is just like a mat they had in the background. No, that's like oh, God. actually what's, ha- it's, it's, it's so impossible looking to me. I yeah. love it so much. Yeah. And then, uh, we discovered that the way parallax works is you get a fall guy, you set him up. You blow him away. You, like, have him wiped out. The commission finds no wrongdoing because it was just a, a lone, lone wolf. wolf with a gun. <laughs> a thing, a lone wolf also yeah. is a thing that doesn't exist. So yes. that's an extra layer of metaphor that we learned later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the credits roll. And the, the, <laughs> the, like, so much of this movie is message incoming, but, like, that we are watching this commission happening in the void. And then when the credits start, all of the people in the chairs disappear and we're left with an empty hall. And right. listening to Pakula talk about it, he's like, yeah, it's it's no more complicated than it sounds. Government is run by a bunch of empty chairs. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> this guy really is an English teacher's best friend. <laughs> yeah, no, he's great. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so we've teased yeah. it enough. That's, that's the Parallax View's journey. <laughs> yes. You have a segment for us today. Please. Yes. Well, uh, a thing you reminded me I did. Oh. Uh, The Now You you See It, Now You See Me segment. A previous segment, neither of us could remember what it was. Yes. Now You See Me. (laughs) So this is the, the, you know, you can stop me at any point if you also have something on this, but the... (laughs) Are you saying that to the audience? (laughs) Turn it off! No. The, don't turn it off, please. It's the only way I exist. (laughs) The Warren Commission is such a, like, such a hilarious exact one-to-one blueprint for this movie. Yes. Yeah, talk, what, is, what is the Warren Commission? Because I have... Okay. What I have for us today is how some of the real-world stuff interrelates with the movie. Okay, sure. Not the real-world stuff specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. So, the Warren Commission is just the, like, the um, shorthand for the commission to investigate the assassination of President Kennedy. Um, mm, he was assassinated. First I'm hearing. <laughs> first I'm hearing of this. Oh boy, Nick, do I have a ride for you? <laughs> um, I hope it's not in a motorcade. Sorry. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's fine. So one of the things that I think is a bit sus about this is that um, the it's named the Warren Commission because Chief Justice Warren was like on the on mm. the committee and not for Warren Beatty. <laughs> not as far as I know, but that would be great. He can't, he's not allowed to do that. He's the judicial branch. You can't be under the control of the executive branch, oh. which is what the committee is. And he protested. Oh. And I think what Lyndon Johnson's thing was like, do it for your country, man. If what if bad. What if the country was in chaos because we can't produce? And so he was like, I guess. So he basically <laughs> just got the brainwashing from the from the movie which is great um but the conclusion was that you know oswald acted alone there was no other shooter and that oswald's killer jack ruby acted alone (laughs) just an incredible series of coincidences adding up i should note i have no particular knowledge opinion or investment in what happened to president kennedy and that really comes is the core of how we're not actually crackpots lots (laughs) of stuff to talk about today but absolutely no investment in this (laughs) yes yeah just just so you know um but i just like talking to my wife about dead presidents (laughs) 
Not the band. <laughs> oh, it's the Dead Kennedys. No, I forget. One well, of them's a movie and one of them's a... Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. You figure it out. You figure it out. The Basically, there had to be, like, there had to be follow-up on the follow-up because... <laughs> They found out, and I guess at the time this was the most damaging thing to the results of the investigation, mm. was that the CIA simultaneously was trying to assassinate a shit ton of other world leaders, yeah. specifically Castro and, and like a couple. Of, and, and like Martin Luther King and stuff, right? Well, I mean, like, yeah. you know, they did do that, but that's fine. I'm not a crackpot. Um, <laughs> the, the, I feel like it's just such a, a wash, like a like a primordial ooze of, of American assassination yeah. attempts like i don't know which one is which um i don't have to so but basically they were like we would never do that and then <laughs> it was just like will smith gesturing to things dot jpeg <laughs> of like this entire laundry list of it had ju- they had just been forced to admit that they are you know it was a like, classic case where somebody says this is not america specific somebody says we are not this country yeah, and yeah. like this you, isn't us you look at the table of contents of a history yeah. book and you're like no every single thing uh, is about us doing this it's always been that <laughs> yes the animaniacs drawing breath to start listing <laughs> countries <laughs> You know, <laughs> yes. Um, and there's there's so much like rabbit hole stuff. Like mm. the CIA had been in contact with Oswald before the killings, yeah. and, and like, but but the the kind of linchpin of the of the conspiracy theories and of the problems people had with this commission was that before the commission even started, and it only took a week to put this <laughs> committee together after the president was killed. Even before the committee was formed or they said they should, like, the there was a memo that was circulated from the assistant attorney general that said the finding should be that, like, we have to reassure, there, how, how did he phrase it? Oh, this is going to be oh. one of those things where it's going to be like, we have to tell the public that it's yes. this for... Quote, the Whoa. public must be convinced that Oswald, Oswald was the killer. That's hard to say. Oswald was the killer, that he had no accomplices still at large, and that evidence was such that he would have been found guilty at a trial. <laughs> before the investigation started, but before he was the committee was point, formed... Right? Um, I don't know what the timeline on, on killing Oswald was. Because if he wasn't dead was. yet, then, then like, Oh, that's okay. insane. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so so that's that's the memo that was circulated like by the Justice Department before the committee even started. So the the thing about that and the overlap with this movie is just the the presentation of it all. And I think this is mm. what America is good at actually is the public presentation. They're good at the PR of it, yeah, like they the are. machinations of, you know. And every single shot in this movie once you find out that like there truly actually is a conspiracy mm. is showing you here's what you can see sometimes it's in a spotlight or it's in the convention center on stage or whatever and here is this vast underpinning of like you know it, it, if you work catering Ugh. you know how huge these buildings are and how many like hallways and back rooms there are to hide it's like disney world right to oh, hide yeah. what is going on well, it's the iceberg from thing the you said too there's so exactly. much that's occurring that you don't that you aren't consciously aware of. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this this movie is just so focused on, like, what are you being presented with? What are you being shown? And that sort of thing. And, and I feel like I don't have a good segue for it, but the other thing that it really put me in mind of was the... 
MK Ultra stuff because mm, which I know very little about. Oh boy, oh boy, I know Canada it's crazy. has a huge part in that. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Yeah, in Montreal, the Allen Memorial Hospital, um, in in like the late no mid seventies. Oh, so is, that's the time when this getting yes, shot. <laughs> this is the thing is it, in nineteen seventy five. I think mm. one year after this movie came out is when I think the current FBI director was like, we can't be doing this. Destroy these records. Stop. Stop it all right now but they're so bad at their jobs <laughs> that instead of sending the files to like the shredding building them they just sent them to another building where they publish stuff and a bunch of files oh were like God. not destroyed and just found by like like administrative assistants like what am i looking at sorry <laughs> and there's a huge so mk ultra is like merely one of the branch i'm not a crackpot it's merely one this is all published by the yeah, way yeah no, no no i know okay i'm not looking at you like a crackpot i feel like a crackpot <laughs> <laughs> which is the thing like this used to be an unorthodox opinion for so long yeah because well, it was almost so out in the open but people were like that wouldn't it, that would be crazy if we did that you're crazy i feel like the loop Maybe it's not even more closed, but it makes me think of Iraq War stuff where it's like, yeah. oh, we all know that, like, it's well, it's pretty wild, widely accepted now, I think. We all it, know, but we have to go through this little song and dance. Yeah. That well, it's, like, it's like Israel and Palestine right yeah. now. We're like, it's obvious what's happening, and yet you're not allowed to get fired for your job for talking about it. But yep. It's fine. <laughs> Things are good. Um, yeah, so MK Ultra is the, they would just, they would take, you know, there were actual, I say clinical, that's probably too strong a word, there were trials, but they would also just randomly dose people in public places and see what happened to oh, them. Oh, right, yes. Okay. And there there were all these, like, I don't even know. There was, there was a crazy branch of it. What was it called? Something a 12-year-old came up with. Operation Midnight Climax, which is <laughs> yeah, what no, it I've sounds like. Yes, I've heard of that. Yeah, where they'd give night, people... Operation Night Emission. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? You couldn't think of a second name <laughs> where they'd give LSD to people and, like, then kind of ply them with, like, sex workers and alcohol and, and watch what happened. Like, <laughs> it was literally that creepy. They were in a motel room with, yeah. like, one-way glass. And the point of all of this wasn't even to, like, solve a problem or, like, accomplish anything. They were just bored. They had seen, they had seen, like, prisoners of war come back praising communism and being like, oh, my God, that can't possibly be right. They must have been brainwashed. Oh, my God. Brainwashing must be real. And at the time, like, all oh, these sci-fi books what... and things were, like, we were starting to delve into, you know, theater of the mind. as we understand it, does not exist. No. That's the little... No. <laughs> That's right. Okay. I knew all these things separately, but yes, right, thank right, you right. for tying them together for yeah. me. Yeah, which I think is just such a funny, like, no, that's that's wrong. The U.S. is the best country in the world. That They must have been mentally altered to say that communism... Communism is good. <laughs> and so they would be like, okay, what would make someone say that? And the first thing, obviously, you go to is, what if we rewired their brains? It's mm. this very pseudoscience-y thing, right? Yeah. But there were a ton of, really, really, like, it is it is torture in its in, in a very real sense. Mm. They would put people in insulin comas for months at a time oh, and put football helmets on their head with speakers so that they could not stop listening to messages just <laughs> for months at a time. They would 
dose you unexpectedly. And I think one of the really famous cases of like, you can't be doing this to people mm-hmm. is a guy leapt to his death out of a, a, a high rise because he didn't understand what was happening to him. Yeah. And fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And so all of this, all of this was like happening for 20 years. This mm. was happening. And they finally published a lot of it, I think, in the 2000s or so. Like, oh, a, a lot of it sort of came out piece by piece. Right. But by that time, everyone had forgotten about it. And and the people, you know, the victims were, had either died or committed suicide, a lot of them, or then, just were not in a position to, you're not going to go to court every day of your life when your brain is, is mush from these experiments. Like, it was up I'm to the sure families. And they didn't know because they couldn't communicate. Anybody and, responsible for it is either dead from old age or... Yeah gets the shitty treatment of like well they're 70 now are we gonna like try them for every little thing they did yeah yeah throw that fucker yes, in jail you should <laughs> throw that geriatric bitch in jail honestly do it yeah there should be way more old people in punished for what they they've done yeah yeah, yeah so a bit of a bleak um segment but the maybe as bleak as we've ever gone (laughs) yeah the the now you you know now you see it of it all is is just very like people who were even like very politically active you know students and things at the time they Mm. just we have talked about this in the past where the mid-70s were such a chaotic uncertain anxious time for america and, like, Vietnam was happening. Like, mm. this was not even a blip on the radar. Like, yeah. there was published evidence, people admitting to, yes, we experimented on our own citizens, knowing that it was harming and killing them and our bad. Not even our bad, just, yes, that did yes, happen. Yes, that did happen. Bye. No questions. So, yeah, no questions, exactly. <laughs> the, yeah. It does feel like, well, we live in crazy times now, and I feel like this is a kind of similar... It's 50 years later, like 50, 60 years later. That's yeah. a generation's worth. Like, Yeah, and it's been all but expunged. Like, now people are like, yeah, I guess that's true. Or they don't believe it because it sounds too... Yeah. It's like, that. well, they would never admit to that if they did do it. Well, they, they did. <laughs> yeah, so I just... Uh, this movie is such a fascinating... Just the timing is so mm. perfect for, like, just... Uh, a nation who cannot focus on more than one thing <laughs> as a group because the U.S. <laughs> is huge. Yeah having this information like like you say there are just all these little you know some of these actual real world assassination attempts they tried five or six times and all you got to do is be lucky once right and is that an ira thing i can't remember that sounds like a slogan yeah um yeah it's 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 such a an interest i don't even want to say relic because it's no it's not irrelevant no, not now, by now. No. but yeah. it's such an interesting pitch perfect demonstration of like yeah of course like literally someone whose job it is to unearth these things can't even get a hold of it yeah there's no way the american public is gonna be it's unfathomably large for one person to comprehend or yeah. absorb how how on earth can a public do yeah that? yeah and yeah. it's so it's just holding you down and punching you the whole <laughs> time you know you. <laughs> but like uh the, to the cinematography just set up in such perfect ways mm-hmm. for it it's so good so i i commend the like knowing that it's all real in in some format, yeah, is is quite a, a feat to put on screen. Well, like the realness of it. So the 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 void is supposed to be the Warren Commission very much. Sure. I okay. didn't realize how, oh, 
not opaque, opposite, transparently corrupt <laughs> and such it was. Sure. Um, but it does make sense now that I have. So Alex Cox is a filmmaker that I really, really like. Mm. Very political filmmaker. Uh, he is a conspiracy nut. Like, he, he admits that. <laughs> but his two quotes about the Warren Commission that I think is very funny is that he was, I think he said he was like... 15 years old at the time or something like that. Mm. And he said even, he has a journal that, like he was a journal writer. Sure. Uh, that he, the quote that he has written in his journal is, uh, how could anyone possibly believe any of this? Uh, <laughs> oh, which is no. very funny for a 15 year old. <laughs> you can't even convince the 15 year old. Yeah, and world. that he said that it was such, he, he was like 15, 16 while all this was happening. So it's a real like, oh, the earth, the society is changing because all hinging on the fact that we can, no one, some people can believe that the president can be killed by just one goofy guy. Is right. What <laughs> one goofy guy. So that's, and mm. like the real world political stuff that goes into this movie. So Pakula was very much like, I don't want this to be a movie that's about an assassination because that's irresponsible. That's going to present as, I have new information to share with somebody. Where I do not. Oh, yeah, This is a sure. recreation of things and using them as a jumping off point. So, okay. Everything that occurs in this that's around assassinations is kind of like hodgepodge of stuff. The convention center, not so much. That was more a, like, they figured it out on the day sort of thing. Mm. But the Senator Carroll stuff is like, it's obviously the motorcade bit for JFK. Uh, I'm not as familiar with RFK's assassination, but apparently the the actual assassination that takes place in the Space Needle is choreographed to look exactly like RFK's assassination. Oh, wow. To the point of, and this is, I listened to an interview on this and went back and watched it, and it's very obvious. There's a woman in a polka dot dress that's running and pointing and shouting something. Yeah. And she was like the focal point of a lot of conspiracy people things for RFK because there was also a woman in a polka dot dress at another assassination. One oh, of okay. Things. Okay. So like special attention of detail paid. Crazy. Not to be like, this is how assassinations work, or I'm saying something new about it, but, but as a like, here are the trappings that you will... You as the audience know what I'm saying. That this is our like our base of understanding. Sure. We're all going into this with. Yeah. Uh, as these are all set up things. The second shooter, like the Zapruder film, had just started coming around mm. just before this movie gets made. Um, and remind me, I'm sorry again. I really don't know. That's right. That that is it's a Zapruder was the guy who happened to or the. The guy it, who happened to be filming... Filming from a different vantage point yeah. and was like, wait, but it doesn't look like that from this angle or, or something? Yeah. Okay. And if you talk to Alex Cox about it, he says, like, yeah, you watch that film and there is absolutely no possibility that you can say Lee Harvey Oswald did it. It is a mm. physical impossibility. Which, okay. conspiracy nuts will say that sort of thing. So, take it with a great Sure. <laughs> I love that he's just like, yeah, I'm a conspiracy nut. Yeah, he's, he's very All right, good for you, man. Very self-assured. Not uh, Which makes sense when you watch his movies. <laughs> so, this is... At the time, according to Pakula and Alex Cox, pretty well understood that, yeah, the government killed JFK. We all know that. Like, that that was the, the thing at the right. time. Right, okay. <laughs> um, so this is what the, that base level of understanding, like, oh, you're coming into this with everybody, including Freddy, being like, it's clearly something else. Like, there's clearly a second shooter. There's he clearly... seems so, like, I just, like, what's the point of proving something already, everybody already knows? Yeah. Like, even if he believes Lee, you know what I mean? But it only comes back to the fact that Lee dies from it. It feels like he's much more, it's a revenge investigation. No, that's else. fair. Yeah. And Lee Carter, this is the thing that I find most interesting. Do you know the name Dorothy Kilgallen? No. I had not come across it before. Lee Carter's death is modeled after her. Uh, okay. She was a Dallas crime journalist who died under mysterious circumstances, having had the alcohol in her system was said to be like about half a drink's worth. 
and just like so much barbiturates, like an absurd. Oh, amount. okay. Um, so the the literal police statement is that they found no indication of violence or suicide. Like they didn't even say it was a suicide. They couldn't even call it that. <laughs> okay. um, the New York medical examiner uh, of her death literally on her death certificate it is undetermined it isn't even suicide it's just we do not know how this happened okay the emphasis is that the overdose it could have been an accidental overdose but i don't see how is kind of okay what it comes back to right but she had been publishing the stuff about the warren commission oh, that god. was supposed to be confidential oh, god. and then a couple of weeks before she died she talked to jack ruby who said i'm gonna tell you what actually happened she published that and she died a week later I mean... And then Jack Ruby died a couple months later. Okay. Of quote-unquote suicide. So, uh, like, that's the the basis for this, is, like, this all happened six years ago, I think, to people watching this in the premiere. Oh, okay. So, like, this is very recent memory. And literally, as this movie is premiering, Watergate is getting wrapped up. Okay, now <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm back to being flabbergasted that they were allowed to make this movie. I know that that is wild. <laughs> one of the reasons they were allowed to, because there is, there was a movie that preceded this called executive action starring, uh, we'll look it up while I'm talking about it, but it's about, and this is one of the reasons that Pakula was like, it is not allowed to describe the events of an assassination because it's irresponsible sure. because he was talking about this movie from 1973 executive action starring Burt Lancaster and Robert Ryan as the mm-hmm. two people who assassinate, JFK. Oh boy. Like it's not, there isn't a stand in. These are. Oh, he stands there and goes, I assassinated president. It's the two who Whatever his name is. Okay. So it's a rogue intelligence officer, right wing politicians, and an oil magnate who was played by Burt Lancaster that design and carry out. And you see the, uh, the aftermath of the JFK. That's, that feels like (laughs) a step too far. So messed up. Like I think that who plays Lee Harvey Oswald in it? Um, (laughs) Some poor sucker. Oh, no. The Harvey Oswald doesn't even appear in it because they're like, they're so self-assured of like, it is a CIA team that does it. Right. It's okay. not even. And then they just like snag him out of his office and like, you killed JFK. He's like, what are you talking about? I've never held a rifle before, which is another part of the conspiracy that okay. the Harvey Oswald had never held a rifle before that day, barring like <laughs> one day of basic training or something like that. Okay. So, Was he in the army? No. Oh. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. The, that would make sense. All right. Um, huh. And of the other real world stuff is obviously like second shooter aspect is a big thing. So that's yeah. the core of the Patsy part of this. And we there's just a lot of images. This gets not as much attention, but the MLK and Malcolm X assassinations sure. are in there as well. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, it's, it's very, it is very distinct now I'm thinking of it. Like you, it doesn't focus on the assassinations themselves. You no, know? you're you, always... you almost like you, you see it in the background the first time or, exactly. or like out of focus. You're a bystander is kind yeah. of the idea of it. Yeah. Which is a perfect segue <gasps> into what I thought was now you see me, which is <laughs> time to talk about cinematography. <laughs> Cause you see, you see things. Now yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In that in that case, we've been doing Now You See Me the entire podcast. I guess so. Yours is actually, in talking about it, it reminded me. Yours okay. is what the segment actually is. <laughs> Let's say, sure. <laughs> no, you can, you can have a segment. I'll, Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to talk about the cinematography because the, like, I love 
investigative thrillers. I love paranoia thrillers. Again, not because I get emotionally invested in these things. These are the the popcorn dumb watches typically for me. Sure. But this is the one that like supersedes that as it is such a visually interesting piece of art on mm-hmm. its own. Yeah. And that's thanks to our good friend cinematographer Gordon Willis. Um, who in 2010 received an honorary Oscar for Unsurpassed Mastery of Light, Shadow, Color, and Motion. Whoa, that's all of them. Yeah, no, that's the big four. (laughs) Damn. He was uh, nicknamed by, oh, I didn't take down this other cinematographer's name, but other cinematographers as the Prince of Darkness, which is... I'm so jealous. (laughs) Yeah, don't you wish you could be the Prince of Darkness of your trade? Yes. (laughs) Databases. I'm the Prince of Darkness of bookkeeping. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. I keep all the lights off. Uh, he follows. I don't pay any of the bills. <laughs> <laughs> he follows what he refers to as the Kurosawa school, which is if you're doing a scene that's about sitting and talking, the camera sits and watches you talk. Like it's about blocking. It's about what the individual is doing. It's not about cutting to close-ups. Close-ups aren't a thing. Okay. There are more in here than he likes to do typically, because this was a shot on the fly thing. He tried to match the visual language across the board of okay. I shot this close-up for this particular scene to emphasize this point, so I don't know what the editor's going to do. I'll shoot this other close-up at exactly the same distance, at exactly the same focus, just to like give it what he called a comic book language, where it's mm-hmm. like everything is flat and bold. It's kind of like really harsh outlines to really... Not necessarily make it seem cartoony, but to make it a really bold visual statement all the time. I mean, yeah, very much so. It's all very, you know, the shot of the deputy and Frady in mm. the sheriff's house. Exactly. And There's like him a split ascending the, the elevators to the, yeah. yeah, the next level. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, so, if, yeah, if you're sitting and talking, camera sits and talks. If there is violence of some kind, it is dizzying, confusing fast really really fast and it's over before you kind of know what happened sure the Um, the bar fight and the honestly when they're struggling in the river after when the dam breaks that's that to me is so like disorienting and Mm. i don't know what make that makes me think of is the first assassination the only like handheld video camera shot that occurs in this movie is right after he gets shot and the camera's like whipping around trying to follow Mm, the guy sure sure. yeah Um, the chaos yeah what makes me think of there uh other things he did he was the cinematographer for all the godfather movies uh, all of pakula's paranoia trilogy the thing that works great with the paranoia trilogy is that his his idea of like composing a nice shot is that quote there should always be a distance between the story and the audience which Mm. turns the audience into a bystander in the story kind of yeah I feel like it works perfectly for this, yeah, right? Because it makes you feel like, even in the most benign scenes, it's a voyeuristic, where like somebody's watching Freddy do something, is what it yeah. all comes across as. Yeah. Especially, you're not relating one to one. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're not meant to relate to the protagonist. You're supposed to watch them do stuff. Yeah. And there's so much that's shot through windows and, yeah, that really large distance. And part yeah. of the reason he likes that is because he's what a lot of people refer to as a visual relativist. So he doesn't like being called the Prince of Darkness. <laughs> what? I know. Give it to me then. <laughs> he comes by that nickname because he likes highlighting the extremes and stuff. Okay. And the most obvious one is lighting. So very sure. bright, very dark. 
very obvious. Uh, and there's this movie is so shadowy. I love it. It's so dark. <laughs> you can't get more on the surface yeah. than uh, this is darkness and yeah. shadowy. Takes place in the shadows. Uh-huh. Do you get it? Um, like the convention center ending is like shrouded in blackness. Those ki- it's all like shadow play almost feeling. Yeah, like all... you can't tell who's running around in the rafters. Yeah. yeah. The time that after Freddy just like saves the plane from the bomb. And he comes home to his apartment and you see Jack Unger's shoes. Waiting, he's relaxing on the bed. And it's just the light reflecting off his shoes and it yeah. sent up this immediate, like, I'm scared for this man. Like yeah, this. yeah, something, something went wrong. All of that is, ah, oh, so good. Uh, <laughs> but it also includes size stuff. So that's why he loves having... Okay. From a distance that you can really see, look how small this person is compared to this other thing, such as Aethus Beast Needle or something. Space needle. Space needle? <laughs> Sorry, not the spice needle. The space needle. <laughs> yes. That, I think the first time it really, like, hit me was the dam shots. Yeah. Where it's him in the foreground and this enormous fucking, like, hulking thing in the background. Yeah. And even, not even the dam itself, but the size of the water, like, the wall of water coming yeah, at him. Yeah, it is arresting. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. The other thing that I think that helps out with the paranoid side of things, because I, like, part of the reason I like paranoid thrillers is they're always shocked really not necessarily stylistically but very like intentionally like it's none of these like close two shots of people talking unless you know once in a while it is but just a lot of the the shots of people like walking around or it's always viewed through this voyeuristic angle that adds this extra dimension a parallax if you will (gasps) wow Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yes it's it is perfect for like yeah you got to keep people at a distance from the the story what it does in shots where you're close to people though so the example in my mind is the space needle where senator carroll is shaking hands everybody inside is like it's dark as hell in there everybody's got shadows on their faces but outside it's incredibly bright and it mm-hmm. draws your eyes and it really does the thing of like oh i should watch this other space for something i don't know yeah why, but yeah i'm like keyed up to watch not the action that's happening but watch for something else yeah which plays in all these conspiracy tropes and everything too <laughs> yeah yeah and like i said the uh, gordon willis's like visual theme is windows through this which i think is really mm, interesting yeah like that convention center ceiling looks like nothing else in my mind except windows like it yeah really it does looks like a ceiling made of windows yeah. i don't yeah <laughs> conscious this thing and the last shot of frady running for this last list only window of escape yeah and all this this one spot of light where he's in the darkness it's all None of it is subtle. None of it no. is uh, overly in- intelligent, I want to call it. It is just, like, style. And I yeah. love it. I love the aesthetic of this movie. He puts together such, like, a visual representation of this thing where you're like, there could be something shady happening in any w- part of yeah. this frame. Where is it? I gotta find it. <laughs> and sometimes it's right in front of your fucking face. Yeah. Yeah. He, like, finished working on The Godfather got his Oscar got got his Oscar for Godfather 2 or 3 I can't remember which hmm. and then does this movie Watergate's happening while this movie's filming and then the next movie he and Pakula does are all the president's men right <laughs> it's like <laughs> goddamn guys on my off days I will be taking notes yeah that's crazy. Clute and, and All the President's Men, super good also. Yeah. Love those. I think this is my favorite of the three of them. Like, All the President's Men is like a close second, but I think this is my favorite one. This one feels the most pure thriller, which is yeah. funny because it it kind of doesn't have that much action in it. No. It's not, you know, you're not chasing someone down a... Well, you kind of are chasing someone down a hallway with a gun, but like... It's not all like in a inverted. Way, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not in a way where you ever think 
the good guy will win. Like, mm. it's never Mm-mm. it's never down to that scale. Like, you get to that convention center and you see, you see Jack Younger, like, lurking with the security forces, yeah. watching what's happening. You're watching like, oh, Frady go down the he's hall. He's fucking and you're like, done. Oh, shit. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and to wrap up our discussion of Parallax View, it's time for our new recurring segment that, that Aaron seems about. to have forgotten about. <laughs> I'll do it right review, now. Review, review. Oh, you boy. go. You go. <laughs> well, I only have one, so pressure's kind of off. You only okay. have to come up with one on the fly. Okay. Thank you yeah, for no that. Problem. Uh, this is from a Letterboxd user and the founder of Gold Ninja Video, which mm. is a, a fun physical media release company in Canada that I am a big fan of, Justin DeClue, uh, which sums up my exact feelings on this movie. Quote, I love how the first half plays like a breezy whodunit mystery with a with goofy action scenes, and then the second half tightens the grip until the viewer chokes to death. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I mean, he's right. <laughs> you feel dirty at the end of this movie. Like, it feels like you're complicit in something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you kind of want to, like, the, the second commission, you just want to, like, go up and slap every person. <laughs> the like, fuck you saying? Absolutely not. <laughs> Have you been watching this movie, you yeah. guys? Did you see any of that? <laughs> or were you just hanging out in the void? <laughs> Do you cease to be when there's no more commission? Yeah. It's a wonderful day in the void. Good. Alternate title for the parallax view. Yeah. I actually did find one. I, I did my homework in advance and I just oh, forgot that I did it, which sure. is... <laughs> I've taken too much LSD secretly because of the CIA. <laughs> That's going to be my excuse when I forget yeah. to do anything. My wife's MK Ultra on the couch of... <laughs> <laughs> it's an MK Ultra Monday. Uh, here's one from Letterboxd user Bombsfall, which is funny, but I also, it sums up perfectly why they get away with this all the time. Oh, look at me. I'm Mr. 1970s man. I just waltz onto planes and pay during the flight. And then I ask for the names and hotel rooms of strangers and the desk just gives them out. And I can easily pretend to be dead because nobody knows what anyone does if they're not directly within line of sight. (laughs) I forgot to mention that part of the movie plot as well. He fakes his own death mm. because he was on the a boat, boat when it blew up. <laughs> yeah. As if he he doesn't think that maybe the boat blew up because he was also on it and they knew who he was. Like maybe that boat was being watched. Uh, maybe. Just maybe. Maybe. <laughs> mm, just, you know, consideration. That raise an interesting point about the flights, though, where you could oh fit two Warren Beatties side by side in those aisles. Oh, roomy. <laughs> A thing that I'm very aware of all the time, uh, watching any movie on a plane pre-1980, where it's like, there were so many plane hijackings in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. So many. Like, an abs- like oh, yeah. Every it was, day there was a plane hijacking. It was truly silly. <laughs> and it, watching this, I'm like, yeah. That's why. That's why. <laughs> it's because you treat it like the bus, yeah. where you just run onto the tarmac and get on, and then you pay the <laughs> flight attendant in cash. Yeah. God damn it. Like, yeah. There's a, like, Guys, come on. Tra- trains work that way, but like they're on a rail. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're not hijacking a train. Yeah. yeah. God, that was a crazy five or six years or whatever it was in, in plane history. Yeah, the, the statistic is nuts. Like it's something like there was an average of like 3.2 plane hijackings every day or something. It's, or it's week, truly something silly. Like yeah. I mean, um, it really worked is the weird thing. Like sometimes yeah. they work, but like well, you they just get land. arrested when you land. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's fine. It's the short-sightedness. You think you can stay in the sky forever, be <laughs> a sky king of some kind, live in some sort of world of tomorrow. I have changed my mind. I would like to now be called the sky king. <laughs> No longer Prince of Darkness. Uh, Love your... this. I'm going to go hijack a plane. <laughs> I'm not a, a crackpot. royalist on this podcast. 
<laughs> I like my titles. I don't like them to mean anything, which is also a great uh, metaphor for everything in this movie. <laughs> I am not a crackpot is the name of this episode, though, right? I think it would have to yeah. be. Yes. That's our big disclaimer. Yeah, uh, yeah so let's uh, talk about our final takeaways for this movie yes. that uh, I love and you love like i love mm, yeah good wonderful i like love it okay. i don't i am not in love with it but i do love it i am in love with it i'm sorry to say oh boy that's so awkward <laughs> hmm. please take us away with your final takeaway my takeaway that i'm taking away is that this movie is such a like it is a uh, you know political thriller mm-hmm. and it's got that intrigue to it that a trashy movie would have a guy mm. gets strapped to a chair and a horrifying slideshow brainwashing is is placed in front of him. These are all elements that would appear it you know there's there's two political assassinations, one attempted, a plane blows up. All of these are elements you would find in a much less deft movie, like yeah. a much trashier and more concerned with like spectacle and impact mm. uh movie, but Boy, did they think about the the construction of the image they were putting on screen. Absolutely. And it, it somehow ties all those parts together that could be very lurid into this just, like, bleak, like, harrowing in a, at a fundamental level of, like, if you're a person in society, <laughs> things you don't want to have to think about but are right in front of you every day. Mm. Uh, yeah, just a, an amazing example of, like... Just maybe the perfect example of what this podcast is, where you can take a terrible trash subject yes. and just make art out of it. What if like corporations like were friggin' in charge, man? <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I'm not a crackpot. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's uh, that's my takeaway. It's just a perfect representation on the not emotional level i guess is what i'm trying to say this yes, is not a yes. movie for appealing to emotions but it just does that to you yeah you know? yeah i think because it's so starkly presented it's kind of like hey what do you think of that like yeah. the movie is saying that to you yes yes yeah. <laughs> what do you like... do about it hmm? oh yeah <laughs> nothing that's right <laughs> turn around walk away yeah yeah what about you well i love so many things about this movie let's count them off <laughs> the, the amazing visual presentation, the intensely bleak message of private interests controlling politics, which is oh boy. Uh, so timely, unfortunately. The commodification of intelligence, I think, is really interesting. Mm. Its skewing of Americanism, I think, is always, that's always good. Oh, Should always fun. do that. The understated question of whether or not Freddy is the sociopath, like if he's actually mm. complicit and guilty in a way right. with Parallax, is really interesting. And just the, like, the investigative genre trappings i i love it all yeah but there's something in there about like how complicit are you and all that but the control and manipulation is like the thing from which all of these stem like it's a movie that's not about politics politics it's about controlling and manipulating yeah people in at the small scale and the large scale the large scale happens to be politics yes yeah, yeah exactly that's the mechanism through which it happens to affect people yes. um which is just it is like I keep saying, it's not a subtle movie by any means, but it's intensely understated where nothing is ever told to you. It is just you have to observe it yeah. and take that in, which is such a great way of delivering all of that in my, in my mind. To your point of, like, it takes what would be trashy and makes it, like, it, it elevates it by not drawing attention to 
the parts of it that in an, a lesser movie would be would be like. So that means Check this that the out. government yeah. is actually a stakeholder in the parallax. Like the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you may not. I didn't like it that much upon first watch because I was like. But what did we learn? Yeah, the, and the point is absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, that is the point of it. And yeah. sometimes when a movie has that, where it's like the point of it is this thing that was a frustrating viewing experience, yeah. it can be like, well, fuck yeah, you, it can I can go hate either way. Movie. Yeah. In this case, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> I'll allow it. And the only way you'll ever know is if I tell you which one is good and which one is bad. There is no <laughs> over. That's what we're for. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, very nice, I'd say. So now it's time to double bill this little friend with something else. This so, is not my friend. Oh, he's your friend. No, yeah. I don't like it. Tell me what you and your friend will be Enemy. watching. Enemy. Enemy. <laughs> Enemy. Oh, no. <laughs> my friend and I are going to sit down and watch a movie that I think takes like takes very trashy subject matter and and this kind of, you know, th- t- titillating almost like, Wow, what if bad stuff was happening and, like, you stumbled on it or whatever, you know? Yeah, what if? Subject, what if? Instead of the unending parade of horrors we see every day. And I'm going to pair it with a a movie that we've done before on the pod that is, like, a much more fun and meant to appeal to your emotions version of this kind of approach, which is The Nice Guys. Oh, very good. Yes, Yes. very good. The Shane Black uh, little comedy gem. Yeah, cover-ups and all that. Yes. So The Nice Guys is uh, an alcoholic who I think it's it's important not just for the hard-boiledness of it, but for the idea that, like, you need a coping mechanism to deal with the world Freddy does I can't remember his name Ryan Gosling's character does Marsh Holland Marsh Holland Marsh that's right a place that exists yeah (laughs) and that that is what the world does to you is it it makes you have to block things out and you know so these two characters navigating this world that is set up to not only try and trick you but know that you're gonna some people are gonna realize they're being tricked have a backup plan for that and then also have a backup plan for when they realize they're trying to be navigated around (laughs) being tricked and in parallax view he does not succeed the whole system is built on like this this idea that like you do have to they're just focusing on this one political horse race or whatever yeah the only way out of it is to kill everybody who steps into it until everyone's too afraid to, you know, just like it has to end with a death and a new person gets fed into the machine on Uh, on both sides of it. (laughs) And the parallax view is very like current systems. Not only are woefully inadequate to Mm. expose misdoings, they're actually kind of there to make it easy to get away with those things the way that the process works and the arbitrary rules of like you can you can ask questions in six months when no one cares anymore (laughs) and all of the things that are like investigative journalism is actually you know we're using it to our benefit yeah the bad guys (laughs) and the nice guys has a little more of a of a (laughs) upbeat kind of he finds some friends and like the power of you know pluckiness gets them through or whatever (laughs) but kind of not like in the end they are still just a couple of guys who like don't have the institutional power to go up against these things they both have the primary underpinnings of noir in my mind like totally parallax view is not a noir 
Exactly. <laughs> but it does have the big thing of like, you know, going up against the system and that the system won't change. Like that yeah. it is an unchangeable thing. I think yeah. it's much more, it's not exactly noir for the reason that we built the structure on purpose instead of just mm. kind of the noir thing to my mind of like, this is just the way people are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But if you like, you know, espionage-ish stuff or investigative stuff <laughs> and like set pieces, um, The Nice Guys is a much more fun and meant to like make you chuckle and, and think about the issues, but not in a way that makes you want to kill yourself at the end. Yeah. And in both, Nixon is a specter in the background. <laughs> um. Haunting each movie. <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. watch Parallax View and then you throw in nice guys for uh, to lift yourself up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm putting it with. Sweet. Yeah. I like that. Just the truly deranged mindset of the mid-70s yeah, well, on both, full yeah, display. Yeah. Both in the 70s. Yeah. Yep. There's a reason so many cover-ups at the time. I feel like in a couple of years we're going to start... Well, no, we, we got some... Investigative thrillers aren't gone. When people mm. online talk about, like... We need to bring back erotic thrillers. That's the big one everybody lands on for some reason. Yeah. My genre of that is investigative thrillers. Nice. So like, sure. fucking love Spotlight. I love Dark Waters. Like, these are all things that are... This is your jam. Yeah. More recent and I feel like might start to come back a little bit. Yeah. But it's difficult now with the litigiousness being what it is. That's true. <laughs> yeah, there's there's that element and there's that element of like, it's it would be hard to make something that isn't preachy. Like you said, oh, like Parallax time. View isn't yeah. political in the sense of that, that, that we would mean it. And I think if you did try to make it today, it would, it would, it would be a lot harder to yeah. make that land. Like Dark Waters, I love, but it is very preachy. Mm. Like there's, there's no two ways about that, yeah. but it's the kind of preachy I like, therefore it's good. Again, see previous <laughs> version where you only know if it's good based on what I say. Uh, <laughs> we are training our listeners very poorly. <laughs> What's your double bill? Well, for me, I just need to highlight, I love this subgenre so much. I just got to highlight my favorite investigative thriller. It's okay. not really investigative, but it still has that core backbone to it like okay. i tend to think of investigative thrillers as having like a rubber backbone where it's like it's this really set genre trapping but that doesn't mean that it always follows the same rules like spotlight oh, is a very sure. different okay. movie from parallax view but in my mind they follow the exact same thing okay sure sure, sure. um same thing with dark waters is the other example but my very favorite uh, of these of these paranoid thrillers of all time has to do with the privatizing and outsourcing of intelligence and it's uh my favorite coppola movie the conversation oh damn oh yes just yeah. it, it's too similar in my mind for our mission so statement. this this isn't your double bill no this is not my double okay. bill. this is this is just another i'm just oh it's crazy slipping more movies. Yeah, yeah the conversation is maybe one of my favorite movies yeah there's a single shot of a of a toilet in this movie <laughs> That I think about so stupid, but it's the most horrifying, the most thing. frightening thing I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> like oh god. But it also has a lot to do with the vantage point from how you see things and just surveillance mm. in general. So sure. it does kind of work with this one too. But it's it's very much the same type. They of have movie. the same tone. A yeah. lot of them. Yeah. So for our missions, our podcast mission, I wanted to make uh, you made a parallax view. You're more arty of the two. Yes. Uh, for me, it's going to be the trashier of the oh, two. Oh, all right. As I talk about like manipulation and control, this is another phrase that like it, it gets overused. So I, in my mind, I'm about to feel very pretentious. So okay. I'm just front loading that. Dive in. This is a very Kafka-esque movie, Parallax View, where it is just like, you don't even know what you're investigating, but you're just trying to like, I think I'm in the right place. Yeah. Am I innocent <laughs> now? What's happening? Uh, sure. So I'm going to pair this with 
the original Kafkaesque, The Trial from 1962. Oh, boy. Two years uh, yeah. after Psycho. <laughs> I was like, how are you going to get artier than... Per- oh, I see. <laughs> right. Directed by uh, little Orson Welles, you may have heard of, and yes. starring the psycho himself, Anthony Perkins. <laughs> this yes. is like, I hadn't seen this until maybe last year sometime. There's a really nice uh, Criterion edition of it now. Mm-hmm. But this is literally the adaptation of The Trial, the book by Kafka. By Franz Kafka. That is the, when people say Kafka-esque, they mean this book. I always think they mean the bug thing. Oh, they maybe mean the, they mean the bug thing. No, 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 but like that that makes much more sense because it is so it it's, is so like why could this possibly be happening to me? Doesn't anyone see how illogical this is? Yeah, like, so it's like trapped in a, a labyrinthine, let's call it bureaucracy, but yeah, like sure. labyrinthine society where it's you're suspected and there's no te- like a Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's innocence type of thing. Like you yeah. never know if there's innocence or guilt there. Yeah. So in the trial, an unassuming office worker is arrested and stands trial, but he is never made aware of his charges. Yeah, that's the, so that's he, it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the entire. And it's watching Anthony Perkins, who is so good at playing innocent, playing guilty, playing innocent. Yeah, that it really is a like. I don't know. I actually don't know about this guy. Yeah, uh, it is really beautifully shot in a nightmare logic kind of way yeah. it doesn't follow like traditional logic by any means it's very much about the philosophical philosophical nope that's what the word is now philosophical <laughs> exercise of what is like what is guilt does it matter if you're guilty of a thing if you know what it is or not like it's a lot of exploring big lofty questions and taking this as like a mental exercise to do it and doing this exact thing of like trying to then put that discussion on screen visually yeah Yeah. and like so there's there's really direct parallels where like the innocence slash guilt potentially of Freddy as a potential sociopath in a system he doesn't understand but that he's trying to like brute force his way through almost He's um, so like, well, I'm I'm earnest and you know virtuous, so yeah. I it's nothing bad will happen to me, surely. And it feels like if if you just took the back half of the parallax view, the conspiracy side, it would fit perfectly with the trial, mm, where yeah. you're never really made aware of Freddy's POV throughout this. Yeah. The same way in the trial, you're never you're. It's kind of like you're solely seeing it through this person's POV, but you never learn anything of their internalized struggle. Yes, you're you're moving along with them, but you're not them. Yeah, they also have the most vivid experience of the protagonist truly being unable to comprehend what is happening, but yeah. still knowing they have to push forward like there there yeah. is no other choice you have to keep doing it in a very panic way of like yeah. if i don't do something to protect myself like i'm fucked like freddy's case is that it's obviously the the genre trappings and like he's got to find the story that keeps him going but in perkins case it's just feeling out the situation more than anything and that's what a lot of the back half of parallax view feels like to me yeah of of just like I'll try this what's and see this? what happens what's yeah. going on in that plane who's that guy like yeah. <laughs> i remember this face so yeah. But yeah, like the the trial also feels very much like you're watching Perkins as a bystander through a lot of it, even though it's filmed completely differently. Like it, it yeah, is sure, sure. very much more objective third person omniscient viewing, but it still feels like, oh, I feel weird watching this guy freak out. Like yeah. <laughs> you're like, I wish I could help because yeah. he seems like he's going through it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So Good watch one. those four movies. Watch Parallax View if you haven't already. You ruined it for you. This is a cheat. <laughs> Watch the trial, watch uh, the nice guys, and definitely watch the conversation. Yes. That's your homework. If you want to be scared by toilets. Yeah. If you're not already. Well, now be. don't watch it thinking about the toilet the whole way. I think this is my own thing that I glommed <laughs> yeah. on to. That just, that there's just one shot that is just... It's mwah. just, yeah. 
Uh, watch it for Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman is totally. amazing. Watch it for Harrison Ford playing a slightly effeminate, implied to be gay executive assistant. Yes, but who's evil? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Evil gay assistant. Yeah. Yeah. He bakes cookies. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll uh, do it for this episode. <laughs> we are not crackpots. We, we yes. If you take away anything, it's that we're not crackpots. Uh, find us on Instagram at GartBidgePod. You will never find us on Twitter again. It's gone. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, Aaron, where can the people find you? They can find me on Blue Sky, which is a lot of fun. Twitter replacement at same same thing, Macklebase, M-A-C-L-E-B-A-S-S. And I also have invite codes to I Blue Sky. I also have invite codes, and wow. I'm also on Blue Sky. <gasps> and I'm also at what my old Twitter handle was, which is at Dick R. Davis. Wow. Yeah. Same. So get in touch. <laughs> same, buddy. Yeah. Uh, please rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. <laughs> your vowels to their something so else. I get so Maritimer at the end <laughs> of these do. episodes. God damn. Okay. Well. Hang in there, boy. Yeah. Eyes to buy and so forth. <laughs> Etc. I hope you will join us next time for another pile of garbage. Garbage. Taller than six two. Yeah, what the fuck does my height have to do with anything?